Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hello, everybody. Wake up. Time to listen. To the two half squads. The finest way to start your morning. And to end every day. When you get home from work, put your feet up and listen to the two half squads. It's the one and only podcast dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world. The game formerly known as Squad Leader. <laughs> no, I think this time we should call it Advanced Squad Leader. All right. Just to be different. We've gotten over our problems. Here's what I'm anticipating. By the time this show airs, we will have received from Multiman Publishing... One of all the new products. All the new products. letters of review. Letters of gratitude... Um, promises of of more things in the future, lots of gifts, just all kinds of stuff because of the last episode. What are you drinking there, Dave? Well, I... We started to... We decided, you know, episode two, let's start... Let's have a little something. Second show of the night. Finish off the Diet Coke with lime. Yeah. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and there it goes. Switch over to... Something special. Dragon's milk. Dragon's milk. Que pasa? Bourbon barrel stout. Oh. The high gravity series from New Holland. Which is in the Netherlands, I think. But I don't think it's an import. No, it's not in the Netherlands. No. No, New Holland is in Wisconsin, I think, isn't it? No. It doesn't give me an address. They don't want people coming and pillaging their stores. Yeah. Tastes like a barrel-aged stout. Some roasty malt character intermingled with a deep vanilla tone. All dancing in an oak bath, Jeff. Wow. Kind of like what I did earlier today. This would go well with red meat, smoked foods, balsamic vinegar dressings, dark chocolate. <laughs> Very good. Wow. Beer and chocolate. That's, I haven't had beer and chocolate since college. This one would go well with it. I'm... Actually, I bet it would. And what are you having, Mr. Clink, Clink and Drink? <laughs> I'm having I'm having vodka. He has a frozen? I've got a mason jar. I keep it in a mason jar. What is this? Well, it's vodka. It's I, written on the top in marker. What's it say there? <laughs> Gin is crossed Gin out. Gin is crossed out. <laughs> and it's vodka now. It's vodka. Yeah. So why don't you just put the vodka bottle? Oh, it doesn't fit in the, right. on the shelves. It's a big vodka bottle, and it doesn't yeah. fit in my little freezer. Well, that's making sense. So we, uh, I, I put it in a mason jar. That has a. That's very cold. Well, it's been in the it freezer. It has a label that yeah, says fresh pressed coconut oil. Yeah. Well, that's what it used to be. So now it's delicious vodka. So when drunken thieves come into your home and they're searching for the alcohol, they open the fridge and they go. Fresh pressed virgin coconut oil? No way. What's that? Yeah. And then they don't take it and drink it all. No. And it's left for you That's after right. your house has been robbed. That's what I'm all about is fooling the thieves of the world. <laughs> yeah, so your, this your, is... Your girls won't come home and, and then drink it all on. Yeah. Where's the booze? Oh, it's there's none. Yeah. Sorry, no, kids. Sorry. All we have is coconut oil. Yeah, do you want to drink a couple of shots of coconut oil? That'll get you smooth. That's cool. Well, you freeze that then, and it's just well, I, super I, chilled? It's just cold then. Then I don't need to put it on the rocks or anything, because yeah. I don't like to dilute it. And you know, I actually don't really like this vodka that much. And so why am I drinking it? Because to I'm cheap. Rid- I don't want to just throw it away. <laughs> and weren't we just talking about being generous? The only thing I'll throw away is Johnny Walker. Oh. Scotch. Johnny Walker Red. Really? Actually, any Johnny Walker. Really? Yeah. Give, if you give that to me, I will throw it away in front of your face. 
So, so you never forget that yeah. I don't like that as a gift. Yeah. Yes. Because if, if I just take it, yeah. you'll keep giving it to me thinking yeah. I liked it. Right. So I pour it. I just open up, just pour it right on the ground. Yeah, that's I a hate problem. That scotch. That, I hate like... it, and I love scotch, but I hate that one. Hate it. Can't drink it. Now I want to try some. Well, if that... you stop looking around, I because you're not in here. I dumped it all out. I'm looking around. A guy gave me a bottle of it for Christmas a couple of years ago. I drank about a third of it, and I had to throw the rest down the drain. Really? I had to. So I, yeah. Stop looking in the drain, oh. Dave. It's not in there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was two years ago. Well, is that how like fruitcake started to be a thing? Because <laughs> people were giving what? it to each other and they were wanted to be kind, so no one ever said, "Yeah, I don't want this fruitcake," and like bashed it into the ground in front yeah. of their faces, to, you know. And so people go, "Oh, he must have liked the fruitcake," and yeah. they keep giving it every Christmas. Yeah, I think that's it. I Although, that's do you, have you? Yeah, you know what the truth is, he, is? Yeah, what is the truth about the fruitcake? I like fruitcake. <laughs> I actually do. <laughs> I actually do. A nice slice of fruitcake with, with some butter on it and a cup of coffee. Yeah. So if you give me fruitcake, I'm keeping that. But and the Johnny Wa- if it's a Johnny Walker fruitcake, it's gone. <laughs> well, and, and now that I'm older, I actually think I do start to eat a little fruitcake. Have you had some? Yeah, I, I couldn't eat a whole cake, but I... You know, well, yeah. I'll do a couple slices here yeah. and there. Now, yeah. other kinds of cake, you can eat the whole cake. But fruit well, cake, you can only eat it a little at a time. A good cake. Well, we're not cupcake fans in our family. Yeah. I don't know. And there's a lot of bad cake around. Did you buy it pre-made <laughs> at the store? No. I ever noticed all the bad cake in the world? <laughs> really? You know, with that fake, like, top whipped toppings? Oh, I don't whipped. Know. Yeah, what's with like, the whipped cream frosting? That's is, for idiots. Is that the one that tastes like wax? No, that's the good kind, the whipped cream, right? No, I like the you would the kind you want is the buttercream. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Some of the pre-made cakes, it's like cutting wax or something. Yeah. I don't know. And the, <laughs> and the cake is dense. And now you get a nice Portillo's chocolate. Yeah, chocolate cake. Yeah, that's yeah. a good cake. Yeah, or the one from uh, from uh, the Cheesecake Factory. You get a slice of Linda's chocolate cake. Okay, oh. I'll try that. It's 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 got to be four hundred thousand calories. It's a which makes it's amazing even better. Which makes it better. It tastes better if there's more. Yeah, calories I'll try in. that. Um, yeah, and then I like the frit with the raspberry filling between the layers or something like that. And yeah, so you get stuff. a little fudge. Fun, so you get some fudgy. fruit in your diet. Yeah, <laughs> cod fruit or the fudgy kind of cakes that go really well with dragon's milk beer. Is yeah. it beer? Yeah, it's really it is heavy. Beer. Yeah. But it goes good with ASL, I think. Uh, it's too bad we're not playing. Yeah, do you you drink? You you'll have a couple of beers while you're playing ASL. Do you find that it uh, inhibits your ability to play? No, because you you're don't get so... tired from drinking beer, do you? Um, yeah, I can. Um, especially like after work, if you go out with people, yeah, and you have, when then you come home and try and watch TV, doesn't work at all. Out playing ASL, it's so mentally intense that yeah. Doesn't no no effect at all. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's too much, right? But if it's just you know two, in in two hours while we're playing, then it's like so focused. If you ever want to see me do something dumb in ASL, just watch me play (laughs) without a drink. Doesn't matter either way. (laughs) No, with a drink, I don't know. 
I get, I start to get tired and I, I, I want to take shortcuts. So that's when I start leaving out a lot of the rules. <laughs> that's when I cut the rule book down to 16 pages. So let's just start playing yeah. starter kit in the yep. middle of it. Yep. Yep. Switching gears. Well, um, you're going to do bypass. Nah, I'm just going to go. No, that just seems like a lot of work. About yeah, it. No. yeah, I know. I've seen you slow down doing the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have. So we better get recording. Yeah. Because we don't want to get that bogged gotta... down feeling tonight. No, no. So tonight we're going to go right into some news. Let's go to the newsroom. All right, Jeff. Are we in the newsroom? We're in the newsroom. What's that funny sound? That is the news. <laughs> That's the sound of the news. Ten amazing things recently found from World War II. Number one. Postcard from a soldier's parents finally arrives at their former home. A postcard that was mailed nearly 70 years ago from an Army medical hospital in Rockford, Illinois, has finally arrived at the former upstate New York home of the couple who sent it. While stationed at Camp Grant in Rockford, soldier George Lessing was visited by his parents, who promptly sent a postcard to his sisters at their home in New York. This postcard read, Dear Pauline and Teresa, we arrived safe and had a good trip, but we were good and tired. In 2012, the postcard arrived at the family's former home, where a different family now lives. Wow. Nazi art hall worth billions found in German apartment. I saw that on 60 Minutes. It's Keep amazing. Going. A, oh. <laughs> World War II carrier pigeons message found in a chimney during <laughs> renovation. Oh, you're not going to talk about the artwork? No, oh, you said keep going. Oh, I meant... You want me to tell you about it? I just wanted the person to say okay. that I saw that on 60 Minutes. A treasure trove of stolen Nazi art worth billions and believed to be lost forever was discovered behind tins of rotted food in an apartment in Munich. Some 1,500 works by master painters such as Picasso, Renoir, Matisse, and Chagall were said to have been lost in the bombing of Dresden in 1945. The paintings had been taken from their owners by the Nazis who saw the work as degenerate. Red flags were raised about the existence of the artwork when Cornelius Gerlitt was returning by train from Switzerland. Gerlitt never held a job and had no real source of income. His father, Hildebrand Gerlitt, was the art dealer in charge of collecting the art for the Nazis. When the elder Gerlitt died, he passed the paintings to his son. Cornelius then sold them one at a time to give him money to live on. The works have been seized by investigators who are hoping to reunite them with their rightful owners. That is amazing. Can you imagine going into an apartment and finding billions of dollars of art? That is amazing. It makes me want to go into more apartments. And do more box art reviews. Yes. yes, absolutely. Number three, World War II carrier pigeon. Message found in a chimney during a renovation. Wow. And we're not making these up, people. These are real. While restoring a fireplace in his home in Surrey, England, David Martin discovered a coded message attached to the skeleton of a carrier pigeon. Wow. Barrels of lard wash up on Scottish shores after a storm. Barrels of World War II-era lard from a shipwreck washed up on Scottish beach after storms lashed St. Cyrus Natural Reserve, which is 100 miles north of Edinburgh. The wooden barrels that housed the lard disintegrated long ago, but the chunks retained their barrel shape and were still bright white under the many barnacles. 
The lard washed up for the first time after a merchant ship was bombed during World War II, and it's continued to wash up every few decades after bad storms. Wow. It looks like a jellyfish. It does. <laughs> I'm like, that's not a barrel of lard. Can you still cook what with it, they, I wonder? Probably. What are they talking about? McDonald's is interested in buying, purchasing the lard for the use in the making of their French fries. <gasps> Look at this one. Lost World War II battlefield found undisturbed. A World War II battlefield complete with the remains of Japanese soldiers. Holy cow! Yeah. Was found in the jungles of Papua New Guinea in 2010. Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Hello? Hello? I'm changing the channel. The site was known to local villagers who hunted on the plateaus surrounding the site but avoided the battleground due to their belief that the spirits of the dead were present. That is, like, crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. What else is coming in on the teletype, Jeffrey? Japanese super submarine located off the coast of Oahu. Oahu. Oh, wow. You know, I like saying Oahu <laughs> after a couple of these glasses of vodka. Recently, a Japanese mega submarine missing since 1946 has been spotted off the southwest coast of Oahu, submerged in more than 2,300 feet of water. The I-400 was the largest and most, most technologically advanced sub of its day. It was capable of traveling one and a half times around the globe without refueling and deploying three 1,800-kilogram bombs, all within minutes of resurfacing. What? By the end of World War II, the sub had been captured by the U.S. military and kept at Pearl Harbor for inspection. When the Cold War began, the Soviets demanded access to the vessel under the terms of the World War II Treaty, but the U.S., not wanting the technology to fall into Soviet hands, denied any knowledge of its whereabouts. What? The United States never lies. And this particular Japanese mega-submarine was made entirely of paper. (laughs) I'm kidding about that part. What else we got? Well, we have millions of silver discovered in a haul from a World War II shipwreck. Millions of silver what? Silver by from the Nazis in 1941 discovered oh. 300 miles off the coast of Ireland at a depth of three miles underwater. 61 tons of silver worth 36 million. All of it has been donated to the two half squads. Wow. You know what would be a real bummer is if you found a shipwreck and you see all this great stuff <laughs> and then you bring it up and it's silver. It's like, mm, wah, wah. <laughs> That's like the booby prize of treasure. <laughs> no, silver. Nobody wants the- silver. Silver's cheap. It's only in D and D. Not in real life. Yeah, it's, it's worth thirty six million. They put it in your fillings for crying out loud. Oh wait a minute, please stand by. Yeah, no one ever wants the silver that the parents hand down to the grandchildren yeah. like that. You yeah, know? you got to tar- you know it gets tarnished. You got to clean it. You know what? Bring me gold. Bring me gold. So did what the, about that did song? the wise men bring silver to no the Christ child? No, they didn't. No, they brought gold. And but that guy. Sings about silver and gold, silver and gold. Yeah, but that, and you know that story. was a that was a whole that was a conspiracy by the silver industry to make it seem <laughs> nicer. But oh, it's yeah. a bummer. It's a downer. You find silver, it's a downer. Admit it. Gold is a little prettier. Yeah, I will admit that yeah. much. This is a sad one. A hidden World War II bomb kills a digger diver in, in Germany. Germany, and you know this is quite uh, amazing because this happens. You know, a, a little too often. A little you too often. You think about how many bombs. But let me just read this. A World War II bomb, which was buried for decades in the dirt of a German construction site, 
killed a digger driver and injured eight additional workers. The explosion occurred as the digger lifted dirt and debris from the site. It shook nearby buildings and cars and was felt a kilometer away. In the 1940s, Allied bombs tried to cripple the Nazi era, the Nazi war effort, by bombing factories in the industrial northwest of Germany. Explosives are found quite frequently throughout the country to this day. Just, we don't have that here. We don't have that United States. And we're we're very lucky. We are very lucky. Okay, go. And this in the news, just just in, Jeffrey. Remains of Marines in a bomber wreck found 70 years after the crash. This is like the heavy metal movie. Did you ever see that one? Um. The movie called Heavy Metal? Yeah, like 78 from the comic book. Yeah. Um, oh, It no. opens with this B-29 bomber, and they're, uh, all these skeletons are manning the machine guns and stuff. It's Ooh. really creepy. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. That really left an impression on me. I should see if that's... I still think that's amazing. But the missing remains of Staff Sergeant Meek and Henry... I guess I shouldn't read that in a funny voice. And Henry White of Kansas... Were found, and there is a whole movement where they're working to recover remains. There's a whole ongoing yes. campaign where um, you can donate to. Maybe I should find that and link that up. And um, that's a good idea to keep finding remains of missing soldiers, and they find them from Civil War through yes. Korea, everything. Yeah, and they deliberately will track down individuals too. So it's a very wow. honorable thing. Yeah, I was reading about it recently. Um, that particular movement going on in Tarawa. And one of the reasons it's becoming, it seems to be becoming a little more urgent because the islands of Tarawa are, well, I don't know if it's sinking or the ocean is rising, but in any case, it's... It's the same thing. Yeah, well, (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) It depends. But in any case, they're they're really uh, scrambling to to find those things, and they're finding more and more. And this is our final bit from this particular newsreel, a German submarine found off the coast of Nantucket. A U-550 submarine was found in deep water 70 miles south of Nantucket, Massachusetts, USA. The sub was among the last undiscovered German warships along the eastern seaboard, where it once attacked merchant ships and forced blackouts in coastal cities. In April 1944, the U-550 torpedoed the gasoline tanker SS Pan Pennsylvania as it set out for Great Britain with 140,000 barrels of gasoline. It then slipped under the doomed tanker to hide, but was discovered by the USS Joyce, one of three tanker escorts. The Joyce damaged it with depth charges, forcing the vessel to surface, where it was rammed by another escort. The third escort then rammed it with two more depth charges. The crew abandoned the U-550, but not before setting off explosions to scuttle it. It sank, and its final resting place remained a mystery for almost 70 years. Wow. That is amazing. And here's something kind of weird from World War II. Do you know anything about Charles Bazooka Charlie? I know nothing about Bazooka or Charlie. Mad Major Carpenter, as he was also known. Or the weird World World War II website. Yeah. In 1944, Charles Carpenter was a major attached to the 1st Bombardment Division in which he flew an unarmed L-4 Grasshopper and an L-5 Sentinel observation plane performing recon missions and acting as an airborne artillery observer. Not being the kind of guy to overlook a juicy enemy target, even in an unarmed and slow hell kite with propeller, he enlisted some help of an ordnance technician and had three bazooka rocket launchers fitted to each wing. Now having a bit of offensive capability, 
the Mad Major started to strafe enemy armor wherever he encountered it. By war's end, he would be officially credited with destroying several armored cars and six tanks, with two being uh, Tiger Ones. Is that, is that what that says? Tiger One? Uh, Tiger One? Tiger but there's L? no such thing as a Tiger One. Yeah, I'm not ones. sure what that designation is. This is hard there? charger. Maybe there is a Tiger One. This hard charger not only kicked ass in the sky. Can but, I say that on this show? But. Kicked butt in the sky, but he once took command of an M4 medium tank and counterattacked a German assault. In the mayhem, he ordered the fire on a friendly Dozer Sherman, which luckily only destroyed its dozer and not the crew. Very luckily. Yeah. Carpenter was arrested in the field and threatened with a court-martial, but being the private pilot to the 4th Armored Division CO and being a favorite of General Patton himself, it led to striking the said court-martial, and he was instead bestowed with the the Silver Star. Here again. You know what? The Gold Star would have been better. (laughs) Silver Star is like the booby prize of stars. Well, there's there's the Bronze Star, which would be lower than the Silver Star. Yeah, but the Bronze, you know, you can make a sword out of a Bronze Star. You never make a sword out of anything silver. You you coat to to kill werewolves. Yeah, I guess. They're not real, though. I'm talking real stuff here. Well, there's this news article. It says he, he flew an unarmed grasshopper. You can't fly a grasshopper around. Well, if it's unarmed, it'll fly. <laughs> it's just a little insect. He was a very small man. Rosie the Rocketeer, Bazooka Charlie. So how did he fire these bazookas from under the wings? Yeah, how did he? Yeah, well, mm. You know, what's? Uh, I just noticed this. Remote? On this article, somebody in the comments section posted... I'd love to see ASL rules for him. No way. Yeah. You're right. Anonymous posted that. Although someone else said source. I wonder if any of our listeners remember when they were very young, and I know some of them used to be. I had a great toy when I was young. It was called the Bazooka. It was made by Remco. And it was the bazooka. It was back when you could have war toys. Having war toys was cool. And I had, my brother and I actually got bazookas, and they actually fired little plastic, little rubber rockets. That was a great toy. Well, it's got a picture of them, and it says it links to Wikipedia, which has 22 sources for this information. Just figure out how you fire those bazookas. Well, Jeffrey, that's it for the news. That's it for the news. Thank you and good night. Good night. Don't make me call a nanny. But we don't want a nanny. All we want is bubblegum. Bazooka, zooka, bubblegum. Bubblegum, bazooka, zooka, bubblegum. Some gum. Okay, I had, to, I had to get some bazooka something in there. I was looking for... Uh, All right, fellas. Oh, I was looking for the actual commercial for my Remco bazooka, but I wasn't able to find it. I'll keep looking. All it right. was a great toy. We used to bomb our neighbors with it. That's back when toys were for <laughs> men. Boys' and, toys and were men for men. Were for toys. Yeah. None of this Lego <laughs> and stuff. And men were, boys were afraid of men. And so, 
we have. Oh, we're done with that segment. All right. Yes. What's next, Jeffrey? How about some uh, rules? Rules. So why would we be playing something about the hills? I don't know. Now I'm all into the song. I tell you, that <laughs> you is said. the most astounding movie. It has a lot of staying power. Oh, it's just... And really, you just listen to that song. That is... I, I mean, I think it's very powerful. The music... Very powerful. The music is amazing. The story is amazing. And it's World War II. Which There's is cool. Not enough battle scenes. Not enough. But, but just, uh, just oh, it's oh. one of those. And I don't know if it's because it came out when I was little and, you know, it's just got that no, nostalgia. No, but it it's has, just no, a really it, stunningly powerful movie. Okay, I can ask my middle school classrooms how many have seen yeah. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which which is very cool, too, actually. All that. You know, seven guys jumping around with axes and chopping logs in a dance. That's pretty cool. I've actually big, never seen that. Oh, yeah. And you get a big fight with the brothers and with all these dudes choreographed to music. It's great. Not as great as, obviously, this. So kids don't know that. Kids don't know cabaret. Probably they shouldn't know cabaret, even yeah. though that's World War II. But Jazz hands always scares me. <laughs> Anything by Bob Fosse is a little frightening. Yeah, although I really like that... Um, <sighs> That biography film of his? What was the name? All of that? that jazz with Roy, Roy Scheider as yeah. As I, Bob I found Fosse. that really cool. Did you? Like he kept popping pills in the morning, looking yeah. in the mirror, and going, "Well, folks, it's showtime." showtime. <laughs> you know, he kind of knew he was just abusing himself to no yeah. end. But yeah, but something about that death, talking to the death angel or whatever she was. Oh yes, know. right. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of cool, but um, yeah, we digress. yeah, you digress. I but it's films and it's musicals, so. <laughs> Lots of kids know still to this day. They do. Sound, sound music. of music. Yeah. And really that, that song. Yeah. Um I yeah. Just the perfect movie. Oh, we had done uh we went to a family camp and they had a like entertainment night, so we came up with the uh based on an idea of someone else had was like this show in two minutes. Oh, yeah. Like you retell a whole movie or something yeah. in two minutes. I got to tell you. What'd you do? It was, we did Sound of Music. Oh, get out. <laughs> oh, it rocked the house. And I, I know I'm bragging here, folks. But yeah, it opened with May. Megan came out and did that little bit of that song, about that much, really, and twirled around. And then Laura came out and said, where have you been? You're late. And then she ran over to the... Um, dining hall, and then like the other nun came in and said, "We, what are we going to do about Maria?" And then they did like we did a bit, and then Adam was very very young, so again about a minute and a half to do this, and we were flying around. We had little props, and Adam comes out and does the tweet, the whistle. They're in the graveyard. We were all running hide, and then oh, yeah. Adam comes in and goes, 
tweet on his whistle, you know, and just that everyone started laughing and uh, yeah, it rocked the house and they were filming some of the skits, but they didn't film us. Oh, darn. And it's actually a huge regret I have because people still come up. I still remember when your family did that sound of music in two minutes. It was like the funniest thing in the world. So yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Cool. Maybe we'll recreate it for our listeners someday. I have been to, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I have been to Stowe, Vermont, where the Trapp family moved when, when, they, they, came. when they came to the United States. Right. And I've been to their the lodge they had there, which was, uh, at that time, I don't know, it was a ski lodge, but it was open. We I was there in the summer, and I met a couple of the Trapp family grandchildren, and it was quite amazing that yeah. those were real people. Yeah. I mean, they didn't sing like that, obviously. <laughs> quite. Not quite. It's a movie. Right. Yeah. But a great movie. And we do tie that in, of course, with a rules section. Ah. Knew about... we were getting to it. About Julie Andrews. The rules. All the rules for Julie Andrews playing Julie Andrews. And then there's Mary Poppins. Yeah. I mean, she just... She peaked. Uh, yeah. She did two of the greatest movies ever made. Ever made. When she was in her 20s. Ever made. Yeah. And that love to laugh thing when they're floating in this... Oh, Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and that has nothing to do with World War Two. <laughs> no, I guess Which, not. But it's still a good movie. How does that happen? Yeah. But so today we're going to talk about flying umbrellas. Hills. Oh, hills. <laughs> and how uh, you fly uh, over uh, them uh, with uh, your umbrellas. Yes. So rules, section 10. Have you got the rules there? I do, if you well, want that, to glance at it me. while I'm reading my gonna, notes. We're going to need the bell. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, do I have some quiz show in here? Yes, I do, Jeffrey. We'll make it a quiz show. I do. No, I have it. I wrote it as a little bit of a quiz show. Just phrase every Ready? sentence in the form of a question. Ready? Ready. All right. Hills. <laughs> no, not yet. Oh. 10.1. Oh, <laughs> no, sorry. No, not yet. Oh, not yet. One level obstacle on a hill is a two-level obstacle. I know it sounds simple, but I want to cover everything okay. thoroughly. Yes. Inherent terrain on a hill is the height of that hill depiction. If, remember, I wrote these a long time ago. If part of the hex has no hill, treat it as regular line of sight for height. So so your inherent terrain goes up with the hill and down with the hill for line of sight purposes, seen around the hill. You know what I'm saying? Yes, okay. You know yeah. Inherent terrain, for instance. A grain. Uh, uh, orchard? Yes. Okay. No. Yes. Yes. Anything that's what's the rule on that again? Anything that's dots is inherent terrain. Grain is not. Grain follows its own contour. Yeah, the dotty stuff is inherent because you can't find a contour around it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a bunch of dots. Okay. Other terrain is at the higher level, even if it appears to be at the lower part of the hex. So, grain, brush, woods is always at the higher level. Lighter hills are level one. The next darkest brown is the next higher level. And it gets darker as it goes up. Very simple to start here. Units at elevation with a center dot. Oh, units at <laughs> elevation with the center dot, even if it's multicolored. Oh, so yeah. if you have a hill with multiple different colors on it, shades of brown, the unit's always... If you have a hex that's got hex, more than one you. color on it. Level. It's... It's the level that the center dot is in. That's where the unit is. You can't be hanging out in between. Yeah. And it seems very 
obvious. Well, yeah. Arbitrary? You, well, I don't thinking? know. You can't be in between levels. Not permanently, because then you have to stick a bunch of level counters in yeah. there. Yeah. Right. Well, but you have, they have climbing. level I'm at? I like level 1.1. 1. 1. Unless you're climbing. Yeah. I've um, never played climbing, but okay, let's go. 10.11. Oh, sorry. Coming up soon. <laughs> uh, lower level can see only the first hex behind a crest line. This is the crest line rule. Yes. On that level. So if you're looking up at a crest line, you can just see the first hex behind that. Units at the same level, so if I'm on a level one, you're on level one, it's a giant flat plateaui hill, I can see all the way across on level one. Yeah. Obviously, unless it's blocked by whatever else. Alpine Hills rule. Ooh. Now, Alpine those, rules. Wait a minute. Those hills um, are alive, right? <laughs> With the sound. With the sound of music? Correct. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was up in the Rockies. No. Where was I with Laura? Glacier National Park. Part of those hills were just wonderful. Just like Alpine Hills. We don't get, you know, we're, we appreciate hills. Being from Illinois, there are no hills in Illinois. Oh, right. Like, and well, these mountains out there. There may man. be some hills, but whenever I go somewhere that's three-dimensional, even going to Missouri. I drove to Missouri a few years ago and went to... It's pretty flat. There are some hilly parts in Missouri, especially as you get down, down to Arkansas. Yeah. And we came over a hill, and there was a, it was a big valley in front of us, and I almost got vertigo. Because I'm not used to being in three-dimensional landscape. Oh, it was I... really weird. And I cannot drive. I'm very delicate, though. Uh, I cannot drive on those roads that built into the Rockies and into the Glacier National Park. They don't have border. They don't have a... um, Yeah. No, no guardrails. Guardrails! You know, my friend... I was talking to my friend Vance just the other day, and and I said, Vance, what scares you? He said, I hate heights. Guys never talk about what frightens them, but I like to know. Oh, I do. He he said they went on... uh, When his wife turned 40, they went on one of these dude ranch things out in Colorado, and they were taking this road through the Rockies, and he said it was absolutely terrifying. Absolutely. Three-dimensional, like as in down. Like if you go off the road, it's down 2,000 feet or it something. It is. It is. Yeah. And I'm very cool with the out, with the uh, below the timber line because if you roll the vehicle over, you're going to crash into the, all those thick tree branches. It's going to stop you. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Just like in Tip Jurassic Tip me Park. over, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, but put me above that timber line, and that's insanity. Yeah. How could they not build guardrails on those things? Know. I don't know. They're out to get you. <sighs> Crazy. I had yeah. to stop driving. Laura had to take over. Yes, yeah. fans, I admit my, my frailties. That's the only one I have. Alpine Hills Very rules. sexy frailty. <laughs> Do you know the Alpine Hills? No, there's rules for Alpine Hills? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Very uh, simple. No. That's like, the, no, I don't. They block any Alpine Hill hex, block same level line of sight through the hill hex. Okay. So if you're adjacent, you can see. But if there's one beyond that, you can't. It blocks line of sight. Correct. Simulating alpine hills, which means like rolling hills. Up and down and up and down and up and down. Now, I have written down, sir. Can you do this for me? You got the rules there? I do. Take a look at... Read first sentence of 10.23. I mean... I've had ten point two. I've had failure two. of <laughs> what? I had a blowout on my glasses. Oh, one of the lenses fell out. Oh, you're right. <laughs> my cheap readers. Look at that. 
<laughs> oh, man. I feel like Colonel Clink. Wait a minute. And drink. Okay, wait. What am I going to read? 10.2? Can you or you want me to? No, I can do it. 10.23. First sentence, and after the italics. I don't, oh. I wonder why I wrote that out of order. in my notes. 10.23. After the italics? First sentence, oh, first and sentence. after the italics. A lower level, non-cliff crest line creates a blind hex to a higher level viewer only if that crest line is at least five hexes away from that viewer and the next hex along his line of sight has a lower elevation than that of the crest line hex. Exclusion. How about after the italics? Oh, after the italics. Okay. Say it one more time and I'll get it. Um, One blind hex is created for each elevation level difference caused by that crest line. There you go. I didn't want to write all that out. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me what it means. No, I'm not. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Because <laughs> it's self-explanatory. Yeah. And listeners, if you don't know what it means or if you couldn't follow that, go that's read, just too bad. Go <laughs> yourself. Yeah, read Why it Why do yourself. we have to do all the work? We shouldn't have to do any of the work. That's right. We're, hey, look, we're not here to interpret the rules. We're just here to read them. Yeah, we're just going to read them. So when I do my notes and I find something long like that, I'm like, nah, I'm not writing yep. this down. Yep. Boy, that's... I think that went more with just the crest line rule than the Alpine Hill rule. We'll say that's so. the case. You're doing very well, though. Well, yeah. All right. 10.3. All right. Now, now. T-E-M. Now we're getting to the good stuff. Ready? Yeah. This is now kind of breaking into a little bit of a quiz show, Jeff. Okay. Ready. T-E-M. Stands for? I wrote, what is it? With a question mark. Terrain effect modifier. Oh. Oh. (laughs) It's other terrain in the hex. For a... Oh, T-E-M. Yes, it's the the other terrain in the hex. Right. Um, What? And if there is no other terrain in the hex, Jeff, what does it count as? Open ground. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. And what is height advantage? That's the advantage that tall men have over short men <laughs> in a fight. Sometimes, sometimes I, I experience that just standing by a lot of tall men. Yeah. You know, all my friends are like six. They're, they're oh, three should, or four inches, five inches taller my, than me. You're tall. You should meet my friends. It's, you know, and they come, ah, give me a hug, Jeff. And I'm like, what? you're well, too tall. But it's I like, weird. I like to hug tall men. <laughs> That's weird, Dave. That's weird. So what is height advantage, Jeff? Well, height advantage is the advantage that units at height have over units that are down lower because it's easier to shoot downhill than uphill. Is there a plus modifier? Yeah, it's a no. Height advantage, you get a neg one. No, no. You're shooting down the hill. No, you're shooting up the hill at them. Oh. They're behind the crest. They get the height advantage. And that plus is a? Plus one. Correctamundo. All right. Jeff, you're beating yourself now. Yes, I am. So you're winning. Then, can height advantage and building TEM combine? Jeffrey? I don't know. Yes, you do. <laughs> oh. You get a... Okay, wait. So you're in a building on a hill. Yeah. It's a plus two wooden building. Right. And you're up on a hill. Do you count it as a plus three building? Jeffrey? I don't know. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. Yes, Wait a minute. You do. <laughs> no. Correct. No. No is correct. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> do hide advantage and hindrances combine? Oh, I'm really not sure. The answer is yes. Oh, they do. That's a half Hide point. advantages and hindrances. So, because you were honest, admitting you didn't know, I'm going to give you a half point. So, if you're shooting in, uphill in through in, through an orchard in winter, okay, when it's snowing, because you <laughs> referring back to annual '96 yeah. from the last show, yeah, because you could shoot through orchard in the winter, right? There's no foliage. Oh yeah, because the there's no yes. So there's there's, no does that plus one count with the height advantage? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's plus two. When is height advantage non-applicable when on a hill? Hmm. And this one, yeah, I know this one, but... Well, let me ask you then. Yes. When is height advantage not applicable when on a hill? When you're, you're like, routing up or going up, you're climbing up the hill in the line of sight of the fire, so you're technically up the hill. Yeah. But he sees you climbing up that side, you don't get the plus one. Ah. Uh-huh. You have to come up the back side, not the front side. Oh, okay. Sees you. Yes, okay. Does that make sense? That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, that's a little I mean, known right rule. Now, but it, it, uh... it makes sense after two, two shots of vodka. Oh. Who knows what will happen? Someone wants me to come home. Yes, can we pause? For station identification, this is the Advanced Squad Leader Hello, Podcast Network. Wow. Who was that? It was Adam. He wanted to know the insurance number. Policy for the wow, that's scary. Your son calls. Hi, Dad. Um, what's the? Uh, just curious, Dad. What's the? In, what's our insurance number on the car? It's yeah, like, he's completing what? his uh, safe driver program oh, online, okay. so he's going to have to put all that right. in and get the discount from Allstate. I, you know, somebody was telling me the other day that they've got a thing that the, their insurance company has given them to put in the car, and it tracks. Them. Oh, it, it tracks how fast they're driving, right. I, well, how f- far they're driving, where they're driving, all this different kind of time of day, and all this. It calculates all these different um, bits of data, yeah, yeah. and and affects their insurance. It, it proves your State safe farm, driver, a safe driver, or or not. I so like if that you're, on if my you're car. driving, if you're driving during rush hour, it's not as good as if you're driving off. Oh, right. Rush time hour of day. Yeah. yeah, time of day and yeah. all kinds of things. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. I haven't heard of that. Yeah, before. even though I've overcome my road rage problem, I still don't think I like being tracked. I, yeah, it I seemed, go a little it's, fast. It sometimes. seems a little, little I go too fast. much. Yeah, I don't. They would they would write me and they say, "Wow, you drive like an old lady." You would get a discount. I probably would get. Yeah, a discount. Yeah, you're a great yeah. driver, Jeff. Yeah. You just get in your lane and just roll with it. Yeah. Well, it gives me, me a chance to listen to our shows. Yeah, to me it's a race. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. All right. So we had talked about... Crust lines and uh, height advantage and... Going up the hill going on up this the side. Hill. Yeah. And then for infantry cavalry, what is the cost to move into... Oh, to go up a crest line. For infantry? And cavalry. And cavalry? Two? Double time, double the movement factors. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if it's open ground, it's two. If it's yeah. woods, four. And for vehicles, what's the cost? Ding in. <laughs> yes, Jeffrey? Uh, four. Plus? 
Plus the cost of terrain. Yeah, which I used to forget a lot. I used to just go, oh, up the hill is four, up the hill is four. I was kind of forgetting that you had got to add that open ground, so it's really five. Yeah, I always, you know, I do remember that it's four plus one, but I always think, why? Why don't they just say five? Because if it's you're going into some other terrain that costs more for the tank, you have to add more to it. Okay. And how often does so that happen? So if it's woods, if much. it's woods, then it's oh, but but a vehicle up a wood. I mean, that's crazy. Vehicle into woods is a quarter. It's already crazy. Are maybe with the huge, or maybe I half. can never keep that straight because I never yeah. go into woods with my yeah. tanks much. I should do it more, right? You should. Yeah. You should drive I mean, your tank into the woods you, more. Well, you can use all your movement factors to go in, and then do that trail break thing. Yeah, I like and that. And then you come out successfully. Smelling like a rose. You have a little path, yeah. and all the other tanks can go behind you. Yeah. So there's a lot of advantages to that, too. Um, but up a hill makes it more tricky, too, because it's double. Uh, or four plus the cost of terrain. Yeah. Now, unless oh, unless you're going up a road, what's the cost for the vehicle going up a road? Two. You are correct, plus the cost of terrain. Yes. So it's half as yeah. easy to go up the road with a tank. Who... Gains movement factors. But in a road, what other cost of terrain is there? There's not going to be a building in a road. So it's two, it's oh. three to go up. Well, what if you, well, it's two to go up and plus one, three. Yeah, you're right. How often does a road go? You know, unless the road. No, a road mean, is a road. A road is a road. I guess unless there's wire. Ah, there you go. The top of the road. At the top of the hill, I mean. <clears throat> Who gains movement factors going down a crest line? Ooh. Try this. Uh, tobogganers. Uh, oh, sleds, yes. Sleds. Okay, sleds. Sledders. On the uh, sleds, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, those people who are also on the sleds, running next to the... No. With them, uh, if they're standing two people on a sled, yes. <laughs> uh, bikes. Bikes and the people... Riding on, the bikes. On the bikes, yes. Uh-huh. And uh, cavalry. No. No. They stumble the horses, and fall yeah, over. The trips Actually, and they don't. But that'd be... The, the best one of all, man, in the winter. Winter. Oh, skiers. Skiers. Yes, of course. Skiers. And one more. Giant slalomers. Baby strollers. <laughs> if you just let the baby stroller go at the top, it just builds up speed. Yes, and nobody's going to fire at that. Much like the if scene If you fire from... on a baby stroller... <laughs> It's minus yeah. honor points. Yes. <laughs> like the scene you in You lose Potemkin. all your Elan. The scene in Potemkin. That's right. Which I should bookmark for everybody and put that. on there as a note. I then, just remember them breaking the plates. In Potemkin? Yeah. Oh, on the ship that started the revolution? Yeah. Ah. When the men are forced to eat the maggoty bread. Maggoty bread. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, did I tell you about my flying yes, station at <laughs> yeah. I don't think I really want to know anymore okay. about that. Well. It sounds like a scene from The Omen. And not then, coming over to your house. And they then, said, well, why don't you come over to our house? And then he's killing all these flies. We're trying to play squad leader, and you're killing all these flies. Good thing you didn't come this week for the the, the game, because there were frogs and boils. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> Terrible. So, 10.5. Abrupt elevation. Oh. Now, crossing two or more levels while crossing one hackside. Again, it's that one X I okay two or more levels, so that's a cliff. Yeah, it's like well, a cliff. Except it's not a cliff; it's a big abrupt elevation. I know that it gets crazy in this game. Okay, so you have like yeah, what three different colored levels of crest lines yeah. all in a row yeah. in one hexide. It's not called a cliff; it's, it's an abrupt elevation. Okay, it's an abrupt elevation. 
Because you can really, really climb over it. Cliff, you got to only use climbing rules. Yeah, my vocabulary was bad there. Okay. The abrupt elevation, you kind of... Can you get up or abrupt? Yes. Like, can infantry go yes. up abrupt elevation? So tell me, what are Cost, the movement points? Yeah. Buy, and this was hard for me to get, and I'll see if my notes can cover this. The cost by level to ascend an abrupt elevation, if you ever find this, folks, just dig out 10.5. Intermediate level. So the middle one. So if, it, if Not it's, the one you start on or finish? Yeah, not the one you start on or finish, but the one in the middle. Okay, because yeah. that already th- threw me for a loop. Costs two movement factors. Okay. And four movement points. Oh, movement points for a vehicle. Right. Descending costs one or two for a vehicle. Yeah, so it's the same. And the last level costs normal. Normal. Movement points. Oh. Which would, again, be the doubling of whatever. So I you guess mean normal for a hill. Yeah. So I guess when you're going okay. up a hill, you don't have to pay double for the woods for oh, each you don't level. Pay the, yeah. Okay. That's it. That's it. It's okay. coming back to me now. You just pay the two for the intermediate level, and, and then, then double it at the top. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, I remember now it coming me realizing what it meant when I was writing this. I just I've never played a scenario that has. I'm not sure which maps have. I think that. you and I just avoid those hexes <laughs> because they're too hard or too complicated. <laughs> Oh, this is a cool map. Let's just play on the flat now, areas. Do you have your glasses on? Yes, I do. 10.52, double crest. It says, read it. Re- okay. <laughs> Too complicated to paraphrase. 10.5? 10.52? Double crests. Double crests. When a unit crosses an abrupt elevation hexide and, in so doing, crosses two hillside not gully, marsh, etc., crest lines of different levels, it has crossed a double crest hexide. And an example of this can be found on uh, fifteen Q board 15, hex Q4 and 5. A vehicle may Avoid not... Avoid it like the plague. Yeah, yes. A vehicle... I'm glad they tell us where it is, because then we can get rid of that board. <laughs> A vehicle may not cross a double crest hexide except via. It's why I didn't take notes on this. <laughs> except uh, it's like in that that scene in uh, Raiders of the Lost. No, uh, the third movie. Uh, um, the Thin Man, the third. The Indiana Indiana Jones, the third movie. Yeah. Where the tank goes off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah, and you see the tank driver with his <laughs> eyes wide open going over. <laughs> Okay. It's very much like that. A vehicle may not cross a double crest hexide except via road, nor may cavalry charge across a double crest hexide. Yeah, well, that <laughs> certainly makes sense. And uh, that's it for 10.52. Okay, that wasn't too bad. 11, cliffs. Dark serrated edge on a crest is the cliff. And it always makes at least one blind hex. Because it goes straight down. People can run right behind it and hide. You can see along it. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked up that stupid example on that page. Because my dumb memory cannot remember. that You can see along. Every time I'm playing cliffs, I'm like, oh, yeah. Did that example say you could or couldn't shoot along it? So let's all memorize this, folks. Okay. You can see you can along see the along cliff. cliff hexite. Okay. It is at the lower level. The serrated edge. Ah, okay? is that the right? The serrated edge does not block you. Here's the way we got to think of it. 
the cliff is going up inside the hex side. Yeah. In the hex, not, yeah. not on the hex side. Okay. Now, are you ready to read 11.31? Yes. 11.31 states, and I quote, No vehicle armament, IFE, or ordnance may fire through a cliff hex side to an adjacent lower level hex. And 11.32? Only an AA weapon, machine gun counter, support weapon, ATR, piot, mortar with a minimum range of one hex and or inherent small arms fire may fire through a cliff hex side to an adjacent higher level hex. There you go. And then if we go to 11.4, climbing. Good order infantry only may climb. No support weapon use uh, while you're climbing. Can you imagine trying to fire a bazooka while you're climbing up a cliff? Well, Stallone could do it. Heroic. <laughs> There's no, it's not like in nothing, the rules. Like nothing. You cannot transfer a weapon. Jeff, I'm going to toss the bazooka up. Yeah. Catch it while you hold on to the cliff Bruce side. Willis could do it. <laughs> you can't recover while you're climbing. Now, back to quiz show. Steven Seagal could do it. Besides the heroes, I'm, I'm which again a... are not. Can you pin climbers, Jeffrey? Chime I'm going to, uh, let me think. Let me, bell, let me please. think. Okay. I'm going to have to think Don't about think. this. Would it make sense? No. You are correct. Can they assault move? Yes. I mean, no. No is correct. Can you climb a building? No, but you can scale a building. Oh, wait. I it's put different. yes. Scaling. I probably didn't want to I write think, a bunch of notes about scaling. I think you're right. I, I, I think I remember that from um, a previous life or something. I don't know. I, I can't remember. You know, now that you word. say that, it sounds really, really yeah, familiar I think, to me. I but think we read that somewhere. Maybe I just put yes because you can in a way. Um, can you climb a bridge? I think that's uh, scaling. Uh, that would be yes, probably, probably the scaling. Yeah. Can you climb up a woods hex? No. No is correct. Can't trick you. No. All right. Can you climb a tree and play the flute? Yeah, Stallone could. Yes. <laughs> yes, he could. Twelve point. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, Adrian. I don't know. It's Rule. a nice. It's a nice couch. I don't know. <laughs> 11.4. How's that? Falling. That was good. Yeah. Here's my Steven Seagal. <clears throat> I'm just a cook. Okay. I've actually never seen a Steven Seagal movie. Yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> I don't think I ever have. Yeah. Uh, 11.4. Falling. Oh. You make a die roll. Less than or equal to nine. Now, um, must be falling. So what brings on the die roll? Like, I don't know. When you're climbing. <laughs> Oh, oh, every time you're climbing? I think so. so every, I mean, I didn't write that down, so. Uh, let's see. Oh, climbing. Oh, yeah, it says here, climbing is used to scale buildings or bridges. So climbing is used. Okay. And, but, oh, it does say climbing. Yeah, okay. yeah, it does say that here. I'm looking at the actual rules. And to, falling. Falling. An infantry unit must make a, a die roll. That's with a capital D-R. Less than or equal to nine in order to ascend or descend a cliff hex side during the movement phase. If a ten or eleven, 
Final die roll is rolled. The unit may not move from its present position during that phase, even though it's considered to be in the act of climbing or descending. There you if go. The, if 12 or higher is rolled, guess eliminated. what happens? Eliminated, and your weapons too. Falling. Yep, yep, and eliminated. Does the plus one apply if it's snowing out? Yes or no? Well, yeah. Yes. If it's raining? No. Yes. Really? Plus one to that roll oh, if it's raining. slippery rocks. Oh, yeah. If there's a moderate wind? No. If Correct. If there's a heavy wind? Well, yeah, I would say. Yes. And may wounded people climb? No. No. You are correct. See, logic works really well, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. May you only use double-time IPC. Oh, you may only use the double-time IPC which reduces your IPC. Climbing is hazardous movement, neg two to shots at you. Trace line of sight to the vertex of the hex you're climbing. When you're to shooting. the vertex. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you know, you not can't the shoot, center dot, but right, the, the Not the hex yeah, yeah. side, but the vertex. The vertex. Okay. Act as the shooting point. And climbers get no favorable TEM. Yeah, I wouldn't think. I guess your back's out there to your enemy. Hindrances do count. Whatever happens... Oh, what happens? Oh, question, Jeffrey. Hindrance what happens gone, yeah. if you're broken, berserk, or wounded while you're climbing? Oh, wow. Now, there's a good one. Berserk. Let's see. Broken, berserk. Broken or wounded. <clears throat> Fall. Eliminated. Okay. Yep, same for all of them. Yeah. And you take no leader loss morale check or task check while you're climbing. Okay. And at, you don't care what happened if your leader got shot off the cliff. You want to keep going. Yes. And at a high level, equals immune to indirect fire? What? I don't know what I meant. Oh, unless the fire crosses the opposite, crosses opposite the cliff hex side. So for people to shoot... Indirect fire at you. Oh, it has to be. It coming. has to be at you, not across. Yeah, the from other, the other, other side, way over the hill. From the other side. Yeah. All right. Which doesn't make real sense when I say it, but when if you think <laughs> if about you it, imagine the hill. And, and, yeah. And what are the climbing costs to go up a level? Um. Two. All your movement factors. For each level? Very, very slow. Oh, oh well, that, that of course, that it, makes sense. Yeah. Can a, yeah. May a climbing unit fire? No. Actually, yes. Just like in the Guns of Navarone. Advance phase. They can during the advance phase. Advance I'm, fire well, phase. Advance fire phase. Right. So I think that's at the end of your move. Okay. You're yeah, peeking over okay. the cliff edge. Right. Maybe you can get some shots off yeah. and then advance in. Okay. I guess. So half firepower, but yeah. any other... No That's long it. range fire yeah. allowed. Right. Can you climb during the advance phase? Can you climb during the advance phase? I'm going to say no. Correct. But you may advance off of the climbing counter at the appropriate level. So you climb up, you have a level one counter you put on the dudes yeah. on the vertex of the hacks. Level one, and then I guess you can advance your fire across that and advance off that climbing counter okay. onto level one. Okay. If it's got to go you to just two. Can't, you can't advance up another level. You've got to keep climbing. Yeah. Actually, in the movement phase with all your movement points. So uh, are climbers affected by advanced versus difficult terrain restrictions? 
No, but they do get often afflicted with athlete's foot. They do. And rashes. And because of the scraping against the yeah, rocks. Yeah, it's really <laughs> a, uncomfortable abrasions. And no, but as you are correct. But if advances versus smoke or out of an encircled area, then you're pinned. So you, oh. you can get, so if you're encircled, you can get out of climbing, but you're pinned when you get out. You All can't right. be pinned <laughs> during the climb. All right. And lastly, commandos. Gurkhas are special scenario that, rules that, those are soldiers without commandos. underpants. <laughs> <laughs> They're falling die roll. A 12 equals no move instead of falling. And greater than 13 is eliminated. Equal to or greater than 13. 13. So they, yeah, so instead of falling on 12, they fall on 13s. Oh, okay. Commandos and Commandos Gurkhas. and Gurkhas. Right. Okay. Yeah, or special scenario rules assigned. Yeah. Um, and you're always CX when you're climbing. Always. Always CX. Okay. So, it's so not... your fire, so during advanced fire phase, it's half fire plus another one in your die roll. Oh, CX is the plus one to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and half for advancing. Right. Yeah. And the close combat wouldn't be as pretty. I wouldn't think advancing so. Advancing off the cliff into the close combat. I wouldn't right, think right there probably, would there ever be. Yeah, if people are defending the close, co- like Germans and Americans, close combating on the same cliffside. Oh, it did not talk uh, about that at all. No, because you have to advance off, and you can't enter an enemy's hex during the movement, right? But if they're both moving, oh, right, yes, right, yeah, yeah, okay, of course, yeah, that's not going to happen. That would be silly, and we don't like silly. Great rules, Dave. Thank you for all that hard work. That You're you welcome. Do. Should we do I, one more I, thing before we sign out? I like the fact that uh, it doesn't matter if we're right. We just keep going. Just plow on. Yep. That's the way keep to do it. Keep calm and carry on. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, I think we should stop. Well, maybe we could do one more thing. One more thing. What do you think? I think we should be doing what's in the box. Don't you think it's too late for what's in the box? It's a little too late, but we'll do it quickly. It's a beautiful, I mean, I... It's an easy pack. Look what uh, we got here. I would hate to delay this because I've been looking forward to seeing this. I've, yeah, we got to look at this. I'm coveting my It, it should my be real neighbors. simple. It's simply... Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's asshole. It's, it's boards. <laughs> it's his wife's asshole. It's and boards <laughs> and it's scenario cards. It's I'm that not simple. touching that. It's that simple. Now, oh. Okay, what is it? Look what I taped to it, which you shouldn't tape things to your ASL products, but no, I, you I did. Because I'm never selling this. Uh oh. I had ordered those two little whole, cubicle no. things. A whole lot of dice from Battleground. Battleground. Kit shop. Uh, Battle school. Battle I'm school. Sorry. sorry. Battleground. Canada. Canada. Battle school. From, from our rep. Yes. Good friends there, right? C trip. Great good friends. We don't talk even talk about move. a website. Oh, that he's thing that guy is, is rocking. Yeah. He's that amazing. Has kick and mark beeps. Rear end. Yeah. Um, He's always got great write-ups. Oh, and man. Lots of reviews news and reviews. Kick and, our rear end. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, like this review we're going to do here, it's going to be pathetic yes. compared to <laughs> yes. what he does. And so I, I went ahead and splurged like 70 bucks because I had to have all the Axis Minor gosh, dice. Dave. And the Allied Minor dice, Jeff. I just, I just like the dice with a little symbol of the nationality. You know, and I like the turn counters. With each nationality, I make my own turn counters. Well, I'm it's glad like it's a, it's a crazy thing. I'm glad that uh, Battle School has an audience. Oh, customers willing to buy their stuff, and it must be doing all right. So yeah, they must be doing okay. So I ordered up all that from yeah. him, 
and he sent along, oh, you know what? He actually did not send these dice. He sent along a little complimentary pair. I forget which ones they were, but I have them at home. Oh, so thank you very much for your support. Yeah, knowing we're the two half squads, even though it was just me. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. And what are these? Uh... These I was ordering with our other great friend Alex. Oh, okay. He, talk about helping out the show. You know, Mister uh, Chris from Canada tosses in some extra dice, yep. and we get a great deal from Alex Key. Yeah, he does. Pre-ordering stuff up. Yeah. He treats us as part of the industry. And he had these dice. So I thought, oh, I'll go ahead and grab those while I'm ordering from Alex. Oh, these That'll nice. support Chris, and that'll support Alex, both. But what do those dice do for you? Oh. They sound good. They sound really nice. And well, I, let's I see. really I'm prefer gonna... the 14 millimeter size dice. I just like the smaller ones. Battle School has them You do like sides. those, yeah. Yeah. And I guess... Yeah, I don't really like the big ones. So what do these do for us, Dave? What's on there? Well, my glasses, <laughs> glasses, my glasses fell apart. Lens. So within a couple of months, I'll have a new pair, I'm sure. Okay, so on, on the colored die, I'm looking at the, the side with the one on it, and it says flame. Ah, one would create a flame in the hex. And it also says... What's a six say? Well, the six says... Something else. Uh, uh, de, de Abelia. I don't oh, know. Let me take a look. I can't read. <laughs> I can't read. Break. Oh. Break. Well, I was thinking of the Italian word. Abelia. Now, it'll be very clear to you when you look at the white dice. Die. White die. Singular. Okay. And the white die, the one says, doesn't say anything. There's a little picture of a flaming... Oh, a Molotov bottle. It's, it's a flaming bottle. It's a Molotov. Had to grab these, you know? Yeah, the Why three not? also has. Okay, so one, two, and three, you got a Molotov. You get a Molotov. Four, five, and six, you don't. And on your color die, if you get a one, the rule says, you may create a flame in your own hex. And if you get a six on your color die, you might, you, you will uh, be, isn't it pinned? Oh, break. You break. Okay. Because the Molotov went off in your hex. So with the combination of these two die, I'm going to roll them right now. And, of course, I get a Maltoff, and I get a flame created in the enemy's hex. Oh, I see. And I think it references the rule, A22.611. And that time, a 6 and a 5, no effect on anything, no Maltoff and no result. So, Well, that that's cool. I guess that is very handy yep, if you're like playing a scenario with Molotovs. And if you're not... Don't use those. No. Put those in your pocket. And the other thing for what's in the box is... Yeah, pretty spectacular. Tell us. From Le Franc Terrier and the ASL Scenario Archive, which is a website that talks about scenarios, they present Deluxe Pack 1. Wow. 12 scenarios, 7 deluxe-sized boards. I was wondering how they'd fit them all in. Of course, they made them... In the starter kid style, they're thin, giant boards. Yes. So I was like, "What is this going to weigh to ship seven deluxe boards to my house?" But they're the del- um, starter kid style, thin boards. First of all, I don't like the no box look to this because I'm thinking, "Wait a minute, I got to store these boards. You know, I need a box. 
But then I'm realizing I think they would fit very easily into my Streets of Fire, Hedgerow Hell boxes as they are. My second thought is box art review. Box art review. It's a jungle out there on this cover. And I'm thinking, deluxe boards, a jungle? Doesn't make sense in my mind. Well, these do work as jungle boards because there's going to be a lot of Japanese scenarios in here, my friend. I thought we needed some fanfare. We do need that some fanfare. That wasn't that good, though. <laughs> now, taking a look inside, who do we give credit to for this? Initial pack concept and map creation, Steve Swan. Still creating. Wow. Pack production, Dave Ramsey. Board art, John Rice. We'll talk about the board art in a minute. Cover art, Emmanuel Batisse. Batisse. This, man, we won't do box I mean, art review. Sounds I'm like too it's, tired now. it's a very international effort on this. Yeah, layout and publishing, Xavier Vitri, Lefranc Terrer, Scenario Designers, and, and Swan. And printed oh. in Cambodia, so it's, American. Yeah, does it say French. that? Or are you remembering that from previous? Things? I saw that on. Uh, somebody mentioned it on Facebook. Yeah. I just oh, got yeah. my package from Cambodia. Yep, that's and I know the that's deal. Where they print this stuff. They do. Yeah. Uh, scenario designers: Steve Swan, Robin Reeve, Martin Barker, Ian Willey, Martin Vicka, Ed Fritz, Vince Maresca, and Dave Ramsey. Only know two of those names. I need to go to more tournaments, I guess. Playtesting, proofreading. Carl Noguera. We just read stuff from him from 96, right? Dennis Donovan. Of course. The and some inimitable Dennis Donovan. Intensive player, Intensive Fire 2013 playtesting groups. Special thanks to some others. New terrain, Jeff. Would you like to read the new terrain to us? Oh, I would. Rules not Thank too you. complicated. Don't worry, folks. There's just two new terrains on these boards. One is called Grain Road Hex. Grain Roads Hex. A hex containing both grain and a road symbol is actually a grain field split by a road. Entrance of such a hex through the road hex site is identical to movement along a non-street road. Hindrance TEM rules do not apply to such hexes if that portion of the line of sight from the fire to the target within those hexes never leaves the confines of the road depiction. That makes sense. You're firing down the road. Yeah. No TEM. If you're firing ac- across the grain, then there is. Very, yeah, very simple concept. Um, building otherwise, road. grain roads are identical oh. to grain in every respect. Then the building road hex. This is obviously a road going through a hex with buildings on either side. All the rules found in A4.132 are applied to this hex. In addition, the road is treated as a narrow street. For the purpose of street fighting, vehicles are only subject to street fighting attacks originating from buildings within the same hex. There you go. Nice and simple, but they yeah. run some roads through the buildings, between yeah, the buildings. Yeah, that and makes hex. sense. Something really missing from the first 59 boards from <laughs> MMP. So then quality, I don't know. I think they seem to lay very flat. They seem well folded. It for some reason, I, I it feels like these are not going to... They don't feel substantial. No, it doesn't seem like they're going to buckle in the crease. And I don't know, it seems glossy-ish. And there, I don't know, there's a weird feeling to this. but It's a little different feeling. Yeah, but it feels like quality. Time will tell, I suppose. And I have board D1. 
Are they all? Yeah, they're all D numbers. So Deluxe One, which is a little village. I think the other grain. Deluxe numbers are are letters of the alphabet, aren't they? Or, uh, yeah, small letters. Yeah, small letters. Not capitals. Yeah. Right. Uh, first thing to notice is the art is different. Well, it's it's kind of three dimensional. Kind of three D looking. Yeah, there's shadows. The buildings cast shadows, and the trees cast shadows. Yeah, it's a little more artistic, I guess. Well, it's a little definitely bit of shading and more detailed. Yeah. Being a grog nerd, I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, well, these aren't quite ASL boards because they're different, right. you know. Yeah. But I think once I get a bunch of little counters out here. Well, once I get a few counters out here and play a game, going to be just ASL all oh, the way, yeah, right? Absolutely. I'm going to start to love this because it is a better quality image. It is. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Yeah. And it is, I mean, nothing new in Deluxe has come out since the Deluxe oh, collections, yeah, right? Which yeah. has been a long time. A long time. 16 years or yeah. something like that. Thank you for pointing that out, Jeff. It's... Very true. So, what is your board, D4? So I got D4 here, which is, um, you know, beautiful to look at. It's yeah. just got a, a two-hex building on there and another little multi-building hex down on the other end. And the rest is orchard and swamps. Grain, and brush. Grain. And these are Lots tight boards, you know. They're, yeah. There are fewer hexes per board, so you don't have enough, a lot of room for maneuver. Uh, in these. But you got a lot of room to stack out your, to not stack your stuff and lay them all out. Uh, in the hacks, you're not. I mean, that's a great thing. I, I always love that about the deluxe. I have D two. It is a woods, and it's wacky. What else is it? The Jeff? wacky woods. It's. it's is a this hill? a hill? Yeah, there's a hill there, which is a totally different color than what what we're used to. But it looks very three dimensional again. Is this a darker it's, hill? It's a hill. No, I don't think so. This is a two level hill. Yeah. What's this outline? It's a little hard to read. I mean, the artwork is great, except the hills are not working yeah. instinctively for me because they're fading the brown of perhaps a second-level hill. Yeah, there's a lot more shading, gradual from a shading. light to a dark, and I'm mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, what color is this hill level? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure what this is. It's grain on a hill. Oh, okay. And we've seen that before, and they faded it out a little more to try and blend it in, I think, yeah. which that's kind of working for me. Why is this blurry? What is this? Hex F2 and F3 on D2. I don't know what that is. It's clear this is marsh, M K5, L4, yes. and M5. This must be brush. But for some reason, it's a blurry graphic, then a sharp graphic. Yeah. And we'll see. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't seem to fit as well, being so blurry. And again, the hill levels, good thing they're outlined in a yellowish line. Yeah. Or I'd be a little confused, but... But it's, I mean, I guess you know, before you play, you may want to take a few minutes and look at the boards and find those areas that are maybe questionable and figure out beforehand how you're going to play those. Yeah, well, it's clearly like, okay, so you have, you're looking at D6. Yeah. And the, the hill hex there, D2, that's more clearly a higher level hill, right? Yeah. Darker all yeah. the way around. So that's a two level hill. And then there's these. I can never remember what these are because I've never played these. Looks like four big boulders on there. <laughs> it's crag, yeah. Oh, crag, yeah. right. There's crag on the edge of the hill. Little uh, 
stream stream running through the center of the board and coming down the hill. I bet it's very picturesque. You know, I, actually, <laughs> as I look at this, I think it looks like Germany. And there you it go. Looks like Europe to me. From a hot air balloon. I have D three, which has a river runs through. Oh, it. you've got a river. And again, it's kind of like a f- blurry river. I'm not sure the blurry works with the non-blurry. Yeah. But, um, yeah, small hill, grain. Very nice. And D7 has a hill, a two-level hill. It's got a gully on a different side with a little bridge going over it. And a multi-level woods so uh, more multi-level grain up yeah. to the hill the small hill and the grain going up the hill yeah grain looks a little non-yellowy i'm not sure i like that a little too much gray airbrushing yeah. over the top of that and actually the uh marsh, marsh isn't it because it's got the earth it's kind of the marsh designations look like you know the woods is very realistic looking then you look at the marsh and it looks like false eyelashes <laughs> It does, unless we're making the same mistake we made last time. That that's brush. Uh, yeah, to grab brush, a terrain marsh. book. Yeah. yeah, I know. There can't be this much much marsh. So this is the marsh, the blurry one. Instead, uh, over here. Oh, that could be. Yeah, it might be brush, and that's marsh. They're both. The sh- <laughs> All right. All right, so we have, we are certain that we are wrong, that the eyelashes is the what, Jeff? That's the brush. And how will we ever remember this in the future? Because of an eyelash brush, which I use <laughs> all the time on and, my eyelashes. I have my eyelash brush. I, I have one at school and one at home. Yeah. So I like to brush out my eyelashes. And, so, yes. and those are beautiful, long-lasting lashes. So that's brush. And right. the f- fuzzy stuff on these boards... Is the, is, marsh. is the marsh. That's why there's much less of it yeah. on the board than the brush. Yeah. However, it is there. Now we're, it, oh, it does have the three-pronged stuff. It's, if, you're, if you're holding your board upside yeah. down, it's hard to tell. Yeah. If you're holding it right side up, you can tell there's the little three-pronged dark green symbols in the marsh. Right. Oh, all right. Sorry, folks. Boy, we are just the worst people at marsh and no. brush. <laughs> Don't come here if you want to learn marsh and brush. We're being a little bit hard on the maps. Well, yeah, just artistically, because man, it's a, it's just because they're they're very good looking. It's a it's a it's a great step up. They're a, they're a departure from the other ones. So I yeah. don't know if you could ever play a scenario that uses map boards from Hedgerow Hell and um, oh, Streets of Fire to fit to fit along with. Yeah, these. I, that's I mean, a, you know, that could it, be an issue. But um, the man, the woods is really sharp from yeah. a distance there. Yeah. Yep. So they're modern, and there's nice, and there's a lot of them. There's seven boards. Yeah, and the laminating seems seems pretty good here. Yeah. And I, it is they lay so flat. That's really really neat. Well, I guess the uh, board pack that came out in starter kit, we had to fold our own boards. These are all pre-folded for you and, and real tight. Think of the time you'll save. Yeah, indeed. I don't have to fold seven boards. Well, what else comes in this pack? Now, hopefully well, the last thing a scenario up, you know, or two. You got those two simple rules, and you got scenarios. Deluxe scenarios. I have ASLFT, Frank Tura, 197, Spoiled Afternoon. And quick reviews, um, Poles and Germans. 
a small quantity of troops, some vehicles, including trucks. Seems like early war. Yeah, it is. It's 1939, and it's a four-and-a-half-turner. Boy, that would be quick. And you have the big boards, so you're not going to be stacking problems. This will play out really quickly. And I have 198 on the back, FT-198, full of fire in France, 1944. And, uh, again, small density of squads, which really with the bigger boards you can afford to have a few more, I think, because you can spread them all out. Yes. So, yeah, good point. And this rule, special rule says all marsh are woods, so you don't have to worry about the confusion. <laughs> and it's the Americans versus the Germans. Ooh. Going into that. C'est mer du monde. And Jeff, what do you see? I've got number 203, Harakiri Gulch, which takes place in the northern Mariana Islands. Ah. In 1944, Japanese against the Americans, and it looks like, what? I guess, three boards on this, D2, D6, and D4. So this is going to be kind of a big layout. It's not a long scenario, just six turns. Uh, and some Japanese being holed up in some pillboxes and maybe in some trenches here. So five pillboxes, six, seven pillboxes, six trenches, some mines there. The Americans are coming after him with uh, four tanks and 14 squads. And there's it says here, cave complexes are N.A. So why, Ooh, there's caves why even mention it? Aren't there caves in the OB? Well, if cave... Oh, that must be it. They're individual caves. They don't They're individual caves. Other. They're not complexes. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. it. That's it. And I don't know much about that because I've never played caves. So, okay. And then on the other side, uh, number 204, Fear Not. That's N-A-U-G-H-T. This looks like fun. It's Germans defending against the French, and the French only have AFVs. Oh. Sorry, that's not the French. That's the British. Oh. So it's Germans uh, holding up against some British AFVs coming in. Short scenario, nice and nice and short. I have one ninety nine, but this oh, does nine, use. It, here's one. It uses board E and D five. So they do from, mix with the old and the yep. new. So we'll have to lay those out together. See how that looks. And you would lay these thinner boards on top of a thick board. Yeah. To get the levels the same before coming there, covering them with your plexiglass. I have scenario 199, Plane Uno. It's in Burma, 1943. Here you have a dozen Brits against a dozen plus Japanese units. Interesting rule, special rule four, due to fatigue, the Japanese may not double time. But on a board of this size, well, it's jungle, so maybe you would want to double time. I'm thinking you're not going to double time on the deluxe boards. They're only six hexes across. Yeah. Five or six. Yeah. So that's true. But if it's jungle and it's uphill, and right. then that will make a difference. And uh, Coconut K is scenario 200. FT 200. Ding, 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 ding. There's a milestone yeah. for Le Frontier. Again, a six turn scenario. It's about a dozen squads on either side American versus. The Japanese, and a couple tanks for the American, a couple pillboxes for the Japanese. It's in Saipan. Boy, this is like a really seeing the full world in World War here. Yeah. With Saipan, Burma, and so on. And Jeff? I've got 
Number 205, Scraggy. It's just called Scraggy, Japanese against the British. And the British units have some uh, dozen squads or so, and uh, an AT gun and a mortar, and they're holed up with a, with a pillbox defending the hills, it looks like, on this one, because the victory conditions the Japanese win at the game end by controlling all of the level 2 hill hexes. I kind of like these, where somebody's holed up on the hills and they have to defend and then the attacker has to come up and yeah. and take them. A lot of Japanese units in this one, though. You know, for a fairly small British contingent, there are 12 Japanese squads and some decent firepower coming against them. Three a AFVs, even though I never worry too much about Japanese AFVs. But yeah. this is later war, so they probably are not radioless. Uh, and then elements of the INA, the Imperial... I'm not sure. The what? Oh, the Indian National Army. Oh. How about that? Never seen them before. Playing on the side of the playing on the side of the Japanese. Oh. Not on the British side. The Indian National Army. I have to read about that. Oh, because they're nationalists, so they hate the British. Yes. They want independence. And on the other side, FDL Chong. This is in North Donbaik, Burma. Don't see a lot of Burma. Uh, scenarios. Two here. I got two here. Oh, do you? And this just uses one board, 10 Japanese units in a pillbox and, and three pillboxes and some trenches against some pretty tough-looking uh, British guys that need to capture some these British positions by the end of six turns. And 201, uh, Burma, again, communication breakdown. You need to uh, control three pillbox hexes by the Gurkhas. Gotta love the Gurkhas. And there's about a dozen squads per side again. Three boards of the all-new deluxe boards. And scenario 202, Burmese Bandits, another Burma. So it's kind of like a little Burma pack here. Yeah, I guess so. Further explaining the jungle on the cover of the sleeve, but not a box. And guess what you got here, Jeff? I give up. Guess what? Oh, it's a three-player scenario. You, you, me, and one other lucky person. Yeah. <laughs> the force is loyal to Azad Hind. I know nothing about this. The elements of the 28th Army Japanese and the ad hoc elements of the Burma National Army. So it's probably like the Burmese against the Japanese against the revolutionaries. Loyal to Azad Hind, I'm guessing. And there's... Yeah, so we've got another three-player game. Way to go, LFT. This is the third or fourth yeah. third-player game. Nice. Nice going. Love it. And then two scenarios left. I've got to have and hold, and this is a departure from Burma. This takes place in the USSR, February 1942. Germans, obviously, against the Russians. The Germans are holding some building positions, and the Russians, a dozen squad of Russians, have to... Go in and take them. This uses board D5 and D1. Pretty standard looking, but fun. Oh, there's snow in this. Russians snow in and Snow and deep snow. Russians against the Germans. Okay. Yeah. Snow and deep snow. Kindling is NA, so you know everybody is going to be cold. And then finally, the last pillbox takes place on the Marshall Islands near Natalie Point in February 1944. A smattering of Japanese again in, in lots of pillboxes and ditches and trenches. Oh, my. Oh, my. 
<laughs> I beat you. I gonna <laughs> Just barely. Uh, against some nasty-looking Marines. Uh, got about a dozen Marines with some DCs, a few trucks. Never too worried about the trucks, but it gets them around well. <laughs> Hop in those trucks. Get over here. Some bazookas, some DCs, some mortars. Looking pretty nasty. As long as the Japanese do not amass too many losses, the Americas win if they control all the pillboxes and buildings. And it looks fun. There's one, two, three. So board D3, D5, and D4 in this. All, all right. So all in all, you know, a lot of variety and some interesting uh, ones. Burma a little heavily stuff. on the Japanese, though. I would like. Yeah. I'm um, wondering yeah. so that they have plans to get some more scenarios out for the European theater with all these great new deluxe boards. Yeah, probably because we have talked about deluxe before, and we. Uh, and you can spread out all those troops. It's a great thing. Yes, and especially so you if have you have Parkinson's disease. Because you don't have to knock over all those yeah. stacks. Right. Crazy. So So there we go. I've actually, you know, and overall I would say that's a nice pack from LFT. Now that I think that I think it goes for a hundred dollars. You can buy it from Bounding Fire. About a hundred bucks. And uh if you've got, if you don't, if you've never done the deluxe stuff, I recommend it. Yeah, again, a smaller, uh, less movement as you're attacking and so on. Yeah, but you can concentrate on all the rules. You can concentrate. Um, we, again, spreading out, no yeah. stacking. How yeah. how glorious can that be? Yeah, it's a nice times. thing. Yeah. So so and and overall, very high quality pack. Always color scenario cards. And, and and just love to see some European stuff come out for that yeah. later to use those boards. Yeah. So I guess that's... Wrapping up another show. Yes, it is. So thanks, everybody, for putting up with us for again, yet another yet show. Again. And, you know, you would think we'd be done, but we, we've got more stuff to talk we about next time. We just got to get through it all, and we, then, then we'll be done. Yeah. We, we promise. Can't, we can't wait to get back to you. But so until then, just keep listening, and remember to... Roll low. And rally well. But not when you're you're playing playing us. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Dave, for bringing all them goodies. All right, next show. a lot of good goodies. Next show, we revisit Tarwa. Yeah, we got more Tarwa stuff to talk about. We can talk about what we've been playing lately, which we didn't talk about. And... uh...